0: It's Hello like everybody that. and welcome this to like this right. Monday this edition of the Logan blast. Blackman I Show. I am in a fantastic, fantastic mood right now. I'm excited to bring you this edition of the Logan Blackman Show. But before we get into what we're going to talk about today, make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show in every single form of social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account's Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account, sorry, is the Logan Blackman Show one. Personal account is Blackman Logan or Logan Black. I can't remember exactly. I don't. For whatever reason, I'm, I'm completely blanking on it. Facebook and YouTube. Search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're gonna try and post a little bit more on the YouTube channel. I know. I know we keep saying that. I know we keep saying that. But you know, these times of getting these videos done and edited is taking a lot more time than I was giving it original credit for. So we've been struggling to get that done, and we're trying to get back into the saddle a bit for a little bit in the in the podcast sphere as well. It's the second podcast we posted in two days. So remember, we post on Saturday. We were posted an uh, episode on Saturday. If you haven't listened to that, I would recommend going into that one. And now we're posting one today, which is Monday, October 2nd, the first edition of the Logan Blackman Show in October. And good Lord, October has started off pretty well. I can't lie. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's, It started off pretty well. There's a few negative aspects of what makes this Saturday good. But we're going to go over what makes it you know, the best part. If that made any sense, I apologize for that. But there were most of it was good. Long and short of it, most of it was good. A lot of what today, a lot of what October 1st has brought was good. But there's a bad thing that happened today that we we're going to talk about a little later as well. But the main thing to focus on here, the Buffalo Bills. Welcome to the Miami Dolphins. Back to earth. Belting them 48-20 to 20 today. This is the same Dolphins team, remember. This is the same Dolphins team that beat the Denver Broncos 70-20 to 20 last week. This is the same Buffalo Bills team that was written off where we were talking about on Friday where Josh Allen is teetering on the, the realms of not being elite anymore. Not being an elite anymore. Josh Allen. You know that Josh Allen? that You know that very, very good quarterback for the Buffalo Bills? Just so we're clear, against the Miami Dolphins, we've talked about this before, I I really – every time the Dolphins get brought up in regards to national discussions for how good of a team they actually are, can they actually displace the Bills as the best team in the division – I've never really sat there too worried about the Dolphins because Josh Allen has never struggled against the Dolphins. They've lost twice to the Miami Dolphins. The first time was his rookie year, the first game he played against the Dolphins, his first ever game, which they lost when Charles Clay dropped the pass in the end zone. The second time they lost, they ran 90-plus offensive plays and got heat stroke on the sideline. So we've got two games that were relatively close, but most of the times Josh Allen has played the Miami Dolphins, they have absolutely trounced them, and this was another example of that. Another example of that, Josh Allen is now thrown for multiple touchdowns in 12 straight games against the Miami Dolphins, including playoffs, extending the longest streak by any QB against a single opponent in NFL history. That includes Tom Brady against the Buffalo Bills, which was an insane run that will probably never be seen again. Like it was insa- that, that Bills versus Patriots rivalry back in the day was so depressing in so many different levels, and now we are reaching that with the Bills-Dolphins series. Josh Allen has lost to the Dolphins two times in his career. Most of the times they have played when the Bills have won, they have dominated the Miami Dolphins. Dominated them. Last year, the Dolphins were close in those games. You look at the regular season game in Buffalo. You look at the playoff game where the people are like, man, the Bills probably should have lost that game because Tua didn't even play. If Tua played, well, who knows? Well, good thing is, we didn't know. We didn't need to know because we knew it would happen the next time the two teams met because now we're playing this game in Buffalo. And this is exactly what would have happened last year had the Bills played this game in Buffalo week four last year or week three last year, sorry absolutely trounced them. In today's Buffalo Bills victory, Josh Allen became the second player in NFL history with 300-plus pass yards, four touchdown passes, one rushing touchdown, and a perfect passer rating in a single game. Aaron Rodgers also did this in Week 7 in 2019 against the Las Vegas Raiders, or they were the Oakland Raiders at that point in time. Are we really having this discussion? I cannot wait for when this show comes out. I absolutely cannot wait for when this show comes out because this show will be coming out Monday morning. Monday morning, I am really, really excited to see everybody backtrack on what they said going into this week against the Miami Dolphins. We saw stuff from Fox Sports talking about can Tua displace Josh Allen of the Bills as the best team in the AFC's. No, they can freaking not. No, they can't. You scored 70 points against the Denver Broncos last week. You beat by 50 points. When has this ever happened in NFL history? A team wins by 50 points one week, and then loses by damn near 30 the week after. Lose by 28 points the week after. Win by 50, lose by 28. When has that ever happened? These last three weeks for the Buffalo Bills are some of the most dominant football they have played under Sean McDermott. The defense under Sean McDermott versus what it looked like under Leslie Frazier is completely different. They are so much better, so much more physical. They blitz at the right times. They attack at the right times. They are so much better with Sean McDermott calling the defensive plays than they ever were under Leslie Frazier. And I appreciate Leslie Frazier, what he did in Buffalo, but the time came where they needed to make a change, and Sean McDermott is the guy to call these plays going forward. And it was kind of funny. The Dolphins, head coach Mike McDaniel, is their play caller. Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, is their defensive play caller. So you had head coaches going up against each other, and when people were talking about, oh, the Bills are done, Sean McDermott's on the hot seat, all that stuff – Sean McDermott reminded everybody who's him, and it's not him. It's not the Dolphins. The Dolphins' pronouns are they, them, because they will never be him. That's, that's what we're looking at right here. That's exactly what we're looking at. Like and I know it's week four. I understand it's week four. But you know how many negative things were said about the Buffalo Bills? Not just after the Jets game, but have been said even after they piss-pounded the Raiders and piss-pounded the Commanders? That stuff's never died because it was only the Raiders. It was only the Commanders. Like we we've completely lost sight of what was what this team is because of that Jets game. Because that I didn't hear anybody freak out when the Je- when the freaking Chiefs lost to the Detroit Lions week 1. Patrick Mahomes has never beaten Jared Goff before. Why does nobody talk about that? Like I think that's something that we could, you know, talk about a tiny bit. And no disrespect to Jared Goff or anything. I know he went after Ryan Fitzpatrick after the Packers after the Lions beat the Green Bay Packers on Thursday Night football. I know he had a little bit to say after that, and rightfully so, after Fitz called him, what, a poor man's Matt Ryan or something like that? Jared Goff has had a very, very good career resurgence in Detroit. Very good career resurgence. And you could kind of tell he would be that guy for Dan Campbell when he shattered his thumb in his last season for the the L.A. Rams and he still kept playing in the playoff games even though he couldn't grip the football. That's the kind of guy Dan Campbell wants on his football team, and he's done really well. And right now, the Lions look like the favorites to win that division, which is insane to think about. Like, you know what's crazy about where we're at in this grand sphere of the NFL. Like, I had Brady over today watching the Bills game. So Brady and my parents were over watching the Bills-Dolphins game. And when my parents left, Brady and I were talking about the Cowboys-Patriots game, and he said, the Cowboys are playing the Patriots, so that should be no problem for them. Like, we're talking about the Patriots being an easy game for teams now. We're talking about the Lions winning divisions now. Like, we're talking about can a team upset the Bills and make them the best team in the AFC? Like, we are in a completely different space in the NFL than we were 10 years ago, it is insane to me. The Lions being a division challenger at any point, let alone 10 years ago, is insane. The Bills being the top dog in the AFC East at any point in time. like When the Bills won the AFC East a few years ago, for the first time, they had won an AFC East title. You you know who won an AFC East title more recently than the Bills did before they won that that first AFC East title under Josh Allen? The Indianapolis Colts, who hadn't been in the division in years. The Bills had been on an insane non-winning division streak. (laughs) And now they are considered the top dogs. Now we're talking about, can the Dolphins upseat the Bills? Can Tua upseat Josh Allen? Like, as we've said before, there is levels to this. You are being... I I would like to also preface that I think Tua is a very good quarterback. I think Tua is a very good quarterback. I've kind of changed my tone about Tua. I think he's a good quarterback. I still think the Dolphins playbook is relatively simple, or not simple, because it is is complicated with all the shifts they do, but in regards to eating up yards, like 90% of their plays are crossing routes, and they eat up a lot of yards after catch because they have the fastest freaking team in the NFL. You got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Wall, Devin Achan, you got Raheem Mostert, like you got all these insane, uh, Ahmed on the bench as well. You've got an insane group of speedy wide receivers, so a lot of their plays are eat up a lot of yards after catch. So it's not all about what Tua's doing, but he's getting the ball to the right guys. There's a lot of motions, a lot of complicated movements in there. But to compare him to Josh Allen's just silly, isn't it? It just is. It just is. And that Jets game, like we talked about after the first game, or after the second game, sorry, against the Raiders. Like you're only... That, that Jets game, the last two games people remember the Bills in was that game and the playoff game against the Bengals. Two really bad games from the Bills. And not only just the Bills, but Josh Allen in general. Like that Jets game... You could put 99% of the Bills' loss in that game on Josh Allen. As we talked about after the game, the Jets were religiously playing in 13 personnel. That's three tight ends and one running back. They were not throwing the football. They have no. They had no faith in Zach Wilson to throw the football. But the Bills gave that away. The only way the Jets were winning that game is the Bills. if the Bills gave it away. And four turnovers later, the Bills gave it away. And the Jets took full advantage and ended up winning in overtime. But these past three weeks for the Buffalo Bills, let's just read out their scores. From these past three weeks. And again, I don't want to hear anything about just the Raiders, just the Commanders, it's just the Dolphins. Well, obviously just not the Dolphins. They were the last remaining undefeated AFC team. So we can't say anything about that. But these last three games for the Bills, 38-10 to against the Raiders, 37-3 to against the Commanders, 48-20 against a team that just dropped 70 points last week. Imagine dropping 20, or dropping 70, and then dropping 20 the following week and not only that, losing by 28 points. Like, I'm all on my petty stuff right now. Josh Allen's touchdown celebration today was all petty. And we all know Josh Allen's one of the biggest trash talkers in the NFL anyways. Like, we all know this. It's well, it's well documented that Josh Allen loves himself some trash talk. But the Dolphins all had shirts with that emoji with the hand, like, hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Like, hmm. Where you got the little the, the check mark on your chin. Josh Allen's touchdown celebration was that. All the Dolphins had those shirts on today or yesterday when they were going to Buffalo. Josh Allen's touchdown celebration was that. They absolutely routed this team. This is one of the best... Like, we said this after the Raiders game. The Raiders game was one of the most... The the most complete game the Bills have played since Josh Allen has been there in regards to having a legit running game. And the Bills' running game, James Cook didn't even have an insane game. He got his first touchdown of the season, which congratulations to James Cook on that. But they didn't really run the ball insanely at least have a guy really carry the load like Latavius Murray had a 29 yard carry but he had 32 yards as a team as a whole he led the team in rushing with 32 yards like we're in a weird sphere right now for the Buffalo Bills where Josh Allen's not consistently leading the team in rushing you have three backs that have elevated this offense to actually give you another element which is just beautiful to see James Cook only had 29 carries today or 20 29 carries good lord we're not David Montgomery here 29 rushing yards he only had 29 rushing yards, but he also had 48 yards receiving. Like, that other element to this offense is so much better. It makes them so much more lethal. They're so much less asked of Josh Allen because, like we've talked about before, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, none more, no other quarterbacks in the NFL are asked to do more for their teams than Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. And they're both playing really well up to this point in the season. And I got a little scared, speaking of Lamar Jackson, I benched him in fantasy today because they were playing the Cleveland Browns. I started Anthony Richardson. Lamar Jackson had like 22 points at halftime. Anthony Richardson, I think, had six. And at the end of the day, Anthony Richardson ended up having more points than Lamar Jackson fantasy. So thumbs up for that one. Got scared for a little bit because I've been told how great the Browns' defense was and how the Ravens had no off to linemen. So I, and all all the running backs are hurt. So I was like, hey, we're going to start Anthony Richardson this week. And I got scared for a little bit, but it ended up working out. ended up working out. But still, the point still stands. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are asked to do more and that's not saying they're the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't want to make it sound like that. Obviously, we know Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. We know that. But in regards to what they need to do in order for their team to win these past few years, it was all on their shoulders. If they messed up, the team was done. It was over. Absolutely over. In regards to their passing ability, the running ability, all that different stuff, they were asked to do more than everybody else. And now Josh has actually got a running game. Now Lamar's actually got top receivers. Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham's out for a little bit, but drafting Zay Flowers is a great pick. Having Mark Andrews there. You're getting other pieces for these guys to lessen the burden on them, and they're both playing really, really well right now. Like Josh Allen had four passing touchdowns today. He had four incompletions. Five total touchdowns, four incompletions. Like we're actually having a conversation about this guy not being elite anymore. We're actually having that. Where's the conversation around Joe Burrow? Why are we pussyfooting about Joe Burrow's calf injury? I didn't hear anybody uh, giving Josh Allen a pass last year with his UC sprain that he would have needed Tommy Johnson. Brock Purdy had the same injury as Josh Allen last year. And we babied Brock Purdy back into that one. Why did we not baby Josh Allen into that one? Like, Joe Joe Burrow had sucked ass this year. And that's putting it lightly. They just got blasted by the freaking Titans today. The Tennessee Titans. Let, 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 Let me repeat that. The Tennessee Titans. I'm sorry. no, no I'm not even going to say no disrespect. I do not like the Titans. The Titans are ass. The Bengals scored three points against the Titans. You know how many people the Titans got rid of this offseason and the fact that their two wins this year are against the Chargers and the Bengals? How insane. That, that is not something I expected going into the season. And their two losses are to the Saints and Browns. If anything, I thought those, two, those games would flip around. I think the Chargers and Bengals will be two of their wins this year. The, the Titans' last two games were 27-3. The only problem is they lost 27-3 to the Cleveland Browns the week before. Like, what is going on? Like, why are we babying Joe Burrow so much? And I like Joe Burrow a lot. But let's quit pretending like there's an e- we're, we're equals here. I understand he went to a Super Bowl. I appreciate that. I really do. I think Joe Burrow is awesome. I think Joe Burrow is unanimously the third-best quarterback in the NFL. But quit babying him about his calf injury. It's a calf injury. I understand it's a big injury, but quit babying him about it. Seriously, I'm I'm getting tired of it. He lost to the Titans today. The Titans. Like come on. <laughs> he has been ass this year. And it's not like his calf, he got like an 8-inch gash in his calf and he can't even walk anymore. I understand it's painful. I'm not discrediting the amount of pain he's in. But for other quarterbacks in the NFL, namely Josh Allen, we did not baby Josh Allen like this. Someone call out Joe Burrow for being complete. Ad. Why are we not talking about Joe Burrow not being elite anymore? Why was Josh Allen getting that when Josh Allen has won his last three games by 40 points? Like we've o- like the old saying goes, keep your praise as loud as your disrespect because that was insane these past few weeks. And then the team that just dropped 70 that was going to take the crown away from the Buffalo Bills just got shouted by 28 points. Diggs had three touchdowns today. Where's the reports about Diggs hating his time in Buffalo now? Stephen A. has had a rotter of a start of the season in regards to sources and takes because he was also the guy that said Josh Allen's not a lead anymore. He's also the guy that said Stephon Diggs wants out of Buffalo. You You see Diggs today? You see him do the Stone Cold Steve Austin celebration after his first touchdown. You see him leading the fight song in the game against the Bills. You see him sprinting down the sideline after the defense got a turnover to high-five everybody on the defense. Yeah, he hates his time in Buffalo. And yeah, I'm on smoke today. I'm on smoke today. They just beat the Dolphins by 28 points. Like, yeah, I'm on smoke today. I'm 100% on smoke today. And it's funny, we're watching the Patriots highlights right now. I'm watching the 49ers-Cardinals game. The Patriots are losing 28-3 to the Cowboys right now. 28-3. And you know what is sad? Again, this is given where the state of the Patriots are. This is not surprising. The the Cowboys are a much better team than the Patriots. This is not surprising in the slightest. The Chargers are beating the Raiders 24-7. This stuff isn't surprising at this point. Like the Patriots, we're talking about the Patriots being ass. Isn't that insane to think about? But they are. They're complete ass. They're complete dog water right now. And it's awesome. It's really awesome. Their one win came against the Jets. And that loss against the Jets is going to hurt more and more as the season goes on. It is going to suck cock as that season progresses. Oh, Keenan Allen got a touchdown today. (laughs) He got 500 yards receiving last week and didn't get a single touchdown. But he got one today. He got one today. So good on Keenan Allen for that one. But that Jets loss is going to suck. And the Chiefs play the Jets tonight. It is going to be brutal, isn't it? The Chiefs are eight-point favorites, which is a pretty big line in the NFL. It, the, the, I would be shocked if the Chiefs won this game. And on the topic of the Jets and the Chiefs, like not we're going to stay away from the Taylor Swift stuff for today. We're going to stay away from that, even though she is going to be in attendance here. The Jets are really finding themselves in a... And I, I, find, I find solace in the New York Jets right now because they're in a similar situation to what the Buffalo Bills were, Josh Allen's rookie year. Because when Josh Allen got hurt... So, okay, let's let's backtrack before Josh Allen got hurt. So, the year before Josh Allen came to the Buffalo Bills, Nathan Peterman was the quarterback. So, Tyron Taylor came into the game, or was the starting quarterback for the Bills. Bills had a couple rough stretches, and they were like, we need to get something changed. We got a rookie head coach in, and Sean McDermott, they need something changed. Let's just try to change the quarterback. Maybe we see a spark there. It didn't work. Nathan Peterman obviously threw five interceptions against the Chargers, and the rest is pretty much history. So the next offseason, they trade Tyra Taylor to Cleveland Browns, get like a third-round pick, I think, for Tyra Taylor, and then they draft Josh Allen. They trade up to seven, draft Josh Allen. So they go in the season, or preseason, with Josh Allen, Nathan Peterman, and A.J. McCarron as the quarterbacks. Nathan Peterman beats out McCarron. Josh Allen's obviously on the roster, even though he's he's a rookie, but seventh overall pick, he's on the roster, guaranteed. I know nothing's guaranteed in the NFL. If you're a top-ten pick, your spot's guaranteed, at least for one year. On the roster, I'm not saying playing, but on the roster, your spot's guaranteed. Peterman gets traded to, or Peterman, McCarron gets traded to the Raiders before the season started. Peterman gets announced as a starter. Bill's week one game that year is against the Baltimore Ravens. Week one game is against the Baltimore Ravens. So my parents' wedding anniversary. I'll never forget this because my dad and I always go through the season before the season starts and make record predictions and stuff like that. And my dad sat there and was like, there ain't no way they're losing on our wedding anniversary. I don't remember what year exactly it was for the wedding anniversary, but it's September 9th and Bill's Ravens. September 9th, 2018, whatever year that was, because Josh Allen drafted in 2018. And the Bills got absolutely blasted by the Ravens. Absolutely blasted. just Blasted so bad that Josh Allen actually had to play in the game when the whole goal was to not play him that entire season. Josh Allen then starts the next game against the Chargers, starts the next game against the Vikings, and then goes on to do all these things his rookie year, and then he gets hurt against the Houston Texans. He gets hurt. He gets an elbow injury. Same injury that he had against the Jets last year, he hits his elbow. He gets He has to sit out for five, six weeks including bye week. Nathan Peterman comes back in the game. Nathan Peterman throws a pick six that ultimately ends the game against the Texans. They lose the game against the Texans. They have a few more games after that. They play the Bears, suck ass against the Bears, though Nathan Peterman did score the first rushing touchdown allowed by the Bears that season. So there was a little bit of a solace there as well, even though they lost like 49-6. I don't remember what the final score was exactly. It was a bad game. But the Bills got to a point with Nathan Peterman to where the players actually had to go to the head coach and Sean McDermott and say, Hey, we're not backing you if you keep playing. If you keep playing Peterman, we're not. We can't back you. We can't do this. You're throwing us out there to lose every game with Nathan Peterman as our quarterback. You cannot do this. So, you know what the Bills did? They called Derek Anderson off the freaking golf course and brought him in. And he played Monday night football against the New England Patriots. That was, I think his first game was against the Colts the week before. But he played Monday night football against the Patriots. Gets hurt. Peterman comes back in. That was the Bears game. That's after Derek Anderson got hurt. It was the Bears game. So, Peterman comes back in against the Bears. The next week or two weeks after or something like that, the Bills sign Matt Barkley. And he goes out to play the Jets off of like a few days. Like you remember Baker Mayfield last year when he was on the Rams where he was like, oh my God, look what he did with the Rams like on a three-day's notice. That's what Barkley did. But he beat the Jets by 45 points. And then Josh Allen comes back against the Jacksonville Jaguars and Josh Allen's pretty much been ever-present since then. But they sat McDermott down like, hey, you cannot keep playing this guy. We are losing because of this guy. We have no faith in this guy at all as a team. And if you lose the locker room, you're done. And I think Zach Wilson lost the locker room last year when he did the whole "Do you feel responsible for not for lose the defense losing this game today?" He goes no, because the offense sucked. The defense gave up like what was it nine point ten nine ten points or something like that. And he's like, no, I don't feel sorry for the defense or I don't feel guilt in how bad we play today. And I remember the old saying, "It's I when we it's I when we lose, we when we win." And that's the, one of the oldest sayings in regards to the quarterback position in the NFL. Pretty much at any level, you cannot throw anybody under the bus. You can't take all the credit when you win. You can't push it on other people when you lose. It's got to be I when we lose, we when we win. And Zach Wilson threw it. No, it's not on me. The team sucks. It was we when we lose. That's not what you do as the quarterback of the NFL. Zach Wilson was promptly, uh, uh what do you call it, healthy scratch against the Buffalo Bills. So Joe Flacco and Mike White had to play that game. And now Zach Wilson's playing for the Jets. And Zach Wilson sucked against the Cowboys because Aaron Rodgers, remember, got hurt against the Bills week one in the first drive of the game. Zach Wilson sucks against the Cowboys, sucks against the Patriots. And then, was that it? Yes, those two games. And now we're at a point where, coach, we do not have faith in this guy. You cannot keep throwing Zach Wilson out there. Maybe Aaron Rodgers being the stand tonight or being on the sideline will help Zach Wilson out a lot. I don't know. But either way, Zach Wilson's not the guy. Zach Wilson is not the guy right now for the New York Jets. He's not, and to some people he never was. To some people he never was, even including Jets fans that thought that. But it's got you're got to move on. Aaron Rodgers' dream of playing for the Jets for a couple years, then Zach Wilson takes over. I think that dream is dead in the water. This team stinks. like that. Without Aaron Rodgers, this team stank. like Nathaniel Hackett is only there because of Rodgers. Nathaniel Hackett is not a good play caller. It's a it's an Adam Gase situation, where we got a guy who's famous for knowing this coach like uh, Adam Gase. We got Josh McDaniels. Notice when they don't have Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Nathaniel Hackett's case. They suck because they're not doing anything, really. They're building relationships. Like, Josh Allen's backups are only his friends. Kyle Allen and Matt Barkley. They just cut Matt Barkley a few weeks, like, before the season started. But the only reason they were on the team is because they're friends with Josh Allen. Kyle Allen did not have a good preseason. There's no reason the Bills should not have gone out and tried to get another backup. But yet, Kyle Allen's still there because he's friends with Josh Allen. Nathaniel Hackett is only with the Jets because they had a goal of getting Aaron Rodgers. That was the ultimate goal. He was only in Denver because they were trying to get Aaron Rodgers. And when it didn't work, guess what? We got Russell Wilson instead, who at the time was not really seen as that big of a downgrade from Aaron Rodgers, but was bad. He was actually very bad. And he's very bad this year too, but we'll get to the Bears and the Bears-Broncos game in a little bit. But the Jets got to do something else. I don't know what that something else is, but you can like whether that's bringing in like Nick Foles or Joe Flacco out of the golf course and bringing them back in the stadium and going like, "Hey, you got to be quarterback for us." That's fine. The Bills did the same thing. The Bills did the exact. Zach Wilson is not. You are going to lose your team, Robert Sala, if you keep playing Zach Wilson because they are done. Joe Namath, the greatest quarterback in your franchise history, which is kind of sad, but it's true. (laughs) He's done with Zach Wilson. Like, you got your legends saying they're done with Zach Wilson. You got your players pretty much saying you're done with Zach Wilson. You got players screaming at each other on the sidelines. You got players yelling at coaches, all this different stuff. Like, it is bad. And this is a team that was a Dark Horse Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. They stink with Zach Wilson. I want Zach Wilson to do well. I want every player to do well in the NFL, unless you play for the Patriots. But that's that's beside the point. They're going to lose this locker. You can't, you can't keep doing this. I, there's in, old, many other options you could do here. Like, Joe Flacco's been with this team before. Why not just bring Joe Flacco back? What's the worst that can happen if you bring Joe Flacco back? Nick Foles, if you bring him... I know they signed Trevor Simeon or something, but Trevor Simeon, again, has been with the organization before. Has been with Robert Sala, snapped his ankle with the Jets. Or was he there with Robert Sala? Was that when Robert Sala was there when... when trevor simeon was there when he snapped his ankle monday night or thursday night football or is that when adam Gase was still there i can't remember exactly but regardless that's that's not important here the matter is i've seen this story before i've seen this and it sucks when you're going through it but hey good when you're especially when your starters hurt like the Bills starter was hurt josh allen was hurt aaron Rodgers, their jet star is hurt scenario forced to go with this guy a guy that you know is bad, but you got no other options at this point. And the coach keeps going, we're going to bat the guy. And I appreciate the coach going, hey, we're going to stick by this guy rather than bashing him in the media. That's I like that. But behind closed doors, you got to be starting to make moves. And maybe that is what they're doing with Trevor Simeon coming in. But tonight's not going to be any easier. Tonight's not making anything easier on this relationship. Now, you play the Broncos next week. So maybe that, you know, writes the ship up. But then you play the Eagles. You're not beating the Eagles. There's no chance in hell you're doing that. So... I don't care if they almost lost the commanders today. You're not beating the Eagles. So you got to figure it out this week. And maybe if you want to go with someone else, maybe the Broncos game could be the right the ship game. If he sucks against the Broncos, then yeah, we're done. Because the Broncos stink. Everybody knows that the Broncos are a terrible football team. And if it weren't for the bears, they'd be the worst team in the NFL. That's just the short and that's the, the long and short of it. They're, they're a terrible football team and they're going to go into the draft. With the idea of drafting someone else, I would imagine you cannot go into next season with Russell Wilson your quarterback. I I don't care how much money he has, how much you owe him. Do not care. The the he is bad. He is not the same Russell Wilson anymore. And it's gonna be interesting with Russell Wilson when the Hall of Fame stuff comes around, because before he got traded to Denver, he was pretty a sure, pretty much a surefire Hall of Famer. And now we're talking about man, this dude is ass. Like Russell Wilson is bad right now. And has been for the past year. And Sean Payton coming in has not changed anything. They they might be even worse than what they were last year. Like This team is brutal. Like, for how bad Nathaniel Haggard was, they weren't losing by 50 points. I understand that has nothing to do with Russell Wilson, but they only scored 20. Like, you lose by 70, at least score 40. Like, at least make it somewhat entertaining. Like, oh, they tried. No, they didn't try. They sucked ass all around. And then today, we had the Broncos and Bears. Like the team that this is this is shows how bad the Bears are. Like, the Broncos were the favorite going into this game. The Broncos lost by 50 points last week. The Bears are at home. And the Bears were still an underdog. I like that is bad. And the Bears today were up 28 7. Justin Fields was looking really good. He was like 16 for 16 at three passing touchdowns, all that stuff. And would you believe me if I told you the Bears lost this football game 31 28? Would you believe me? I think it would given how bad the Bears have been this year yeah I would I would believe if if I got told the Bears were up 28 to seven I didn't care who it was against it could have been the Broncos could have been anybody if they were up 28 to 7 and you told me they lost 31-28 I would not be shocked because I've watched this team live in person they stink and they just they just demoted Nathan Peterman to third stringer I appreciate the bear I do appreciate from this from the Chicago Bears about how you cut Nathan Peterman realized your mistake brought him back for the chiefs game because you knew i was going to be there kept him as the backup the next week when i'm not going to a bears game you demote peterman to third string move Bajan up the backup like that's that's beautiful i really appreciate that like wait till i can't watch you play watch my guy play i've been in the stadium with peterman's played before bills patriots 2017 it was an emotional experience for me tyra taylor got hurt bills were losing nathan beamer comes in I watched Nathan Peterman and Tom Brady play in the same field the same day. That is insane. I'm truly blessed. And I almost got a chance to see Patrick Mahomes and Nathan Peterman play. Or Blaine Gabbert versus Nathan Peterman play, I guess. Because Tom Brady wasn't out of the game when Nathan Peterman Because they weren't winning by 100 points. It was like 23-3 or something. 20-3. It was an insane blowout. It was a bad game, but not an insane blowout. But I appreciate that, Bears. I do appreciate that. And now, the Bears lose this game. And now are in sole possession of Caleb Williams Stakes because the Panthers lost today to the Vikings. So you are in perfect perfect area to get the number 1 overall pick, And the number 2 overall pick. You're in perfect you're in a perfect world right now. And they're probably going to lose to the Commanders on Thursday, which I hate that that's a game again. That was a game on Thursday Night football last year. No one watched that last year. Why are we doing this to ourselves again? Why are we having Cardinals or Cardinals I'm Cardinals games back on from from halftime. I just the second half just started. But why are we watching Bears' commanders from last year going to the – why? The Bears suck. The commanders are kind of fun to watch, I guess, but they still stink. The Bears still stink. Well, the Bears are bad. The Bears, the Bears are the worst team in, the foo- in football right now. We said that on Saturday show. We're continuing that here. The Bears are rancid. They're an absolutely terrible football team. And the sad thing is I don't think Justin Fields is a bad quarterback. I don't. I know we've talked about we need to have conversation about Justin Fields. But I think that he is just completely battered by this Bears organization. The coaching staff is just completely sucked. They did not end up actually doing anything to help him out, and he can't read a defense. I don't think, like, given his tools, his arm, like, everything about Justin Fields, apart from what you've seen on the field, tells you he should be a good quarterback. And he's just not. He's just not. he can't call his play. He can't call himself out of a phone book. Like, he. It's just, it just terrible. The Bears are bad. They're really bad. And maybe that's a good thing, but I fear for Caleb Williams going to the Chicago Bears because I fear that they're going to keep Matt Eberfless. And We talked about this Saturday. The Bears' cycle of having a coach drafting quarterback, firing coach keeping quarterback, getting rid of quarterback keeping coach, drafting quarterback getting rid of coach, getting rid of quarterback getting new coach. Like the, the system is messed up completely. And the only other time, again, that I can think of where a coach has kept his job after having back-to-back number one overall picks is Hugh Jackson when he was the coach of Cleveland Browns. And he went 0-16 and 1-15. Like, you cannot do that. The last team you want to be compared to is the 2017-2018 Cleveland Browns. You do not want to be compared to that team by any rhetoric at all. That team was terrible. And the Bears, we're talking about them being worse. Like, after watching the Bears on Sunday last week against the Kansas City Chiefs, I know it was against the Chiefs, But I would be surprised this team won a game the rest of the year. (laughs) Like, if you were going to win a game, if the Bears were actually going to win a game, this was the game for sure. For sure. And again, you play the Panthers. So that's a, a, you can't really lose that game, can you? Because your pick stays the same. Because you have the Panthers pick. The Panthers haven't won a game yet. So you're really sitting pretty. You're going, hey, Panthers, you can lose, we can win this game. Like, you might as well just win that game. And it's a primetime game. So, hey, you might as well just go out and win that one because you're keeping the Panthers pick. That makes it even kind of funnier, doesn't it? Panthers used your pick to draft Bryce Young. You used their pick to draft Caleb Williams. And then we open the conversation about, again, what they're going to do with that number two overall pick. If it's Marvin Harrison Jr., Oluf Shanu, whatever route they want to go. But that's the beauty of having the top two picks. That's the beauty of it. I, I can't think of any other time where we've had a team have the top two picks. And it's kind of funny. The teams that... People, The team that people were expecting to have the top two picks was the Arizona Cardinals. Because the Cardinals were perceived by most, including myself, to be the worst team in football. And they're losing 21-10 to 10 against the Niners. Christian McCaffrey's just having a day and a half right now. But they were considered to be the worst team in football. And the second worst team in football, considered by a lot of people, was the Houston Texans. And guess what? The Arizona Cardinals beat the Dallas Cowboys of all teams last week. And the Houston Texans just routed the Steelers. Like, that is insane. That is absolutely insane. And C.J. Stroud looks awesome. C.J. Stroud looks really, really good. He was the, there's some of the popped up that he's the first quarterback in NFL history to have 900 plus yards passing in his first three games or first four games and not throwing an interception. Like, that is crazy. C.J. Stroud's playing really, really, really well. And I thought it was funny. Brevin Jordan, a tight end for the Houston Texans, he said the best thing that happened to us was beating the Indianapolis Colts last year because seven's our guy. Well, here's the thing. You can agree or disagree with that take. I don't care. But you were dra- You could have drafted C.J. Stroud at one, too. You having the second overall pick didn't guarantee you see C- Because the Panthers could have taken C.J. Stroud. They could have easily done that. But the Texans, I don't think they would have taken C.J. Stroud if they had the number one overall pick. I think they were taking Bryce I think Bryce Young was just going to be the number one overall pick, regardless of who he we went to. I saw a graphic speaking of Bryce Young. Where he's the most accurate quarterback when there's zero people open. (laughs) Like, the receivers can't separate at all. Like, they drafted, uh, crap. Jonathan Mingo, I completely blanked on his name, from Ole Miss in the second round. He was considered a project piece. And yeah, he's kind of been a project piece this year. And you've got a 50-year-old Adam Thielen as his number one wide receiver right now. There's kind of a reason the Vikings got rid of Adam Thielen last year. Let him walk in free agency, I guess. Because he can't separate. He can't really do anything at this point in time. And I don't want to make it sound like CJ Stroud's got all these gifted weapons around him, but his weapons right now are better than that of Bryce Young. Like if you look, if you look at it objectively here, and I like CJ. I I have gone on the show, defended CJ Stroud so many freaking times. I had a whole show dedicated to defending CJ Stroud. So I don't want to make this sound like I'm against CJ Stroud. I am definitely not. We like we're a pro CJ Stroud show here. I'm a pro rookie quarterback in this year's draft class show because not only do I like all the rookies, did I like them going in? They're all on teams I don't really give a shit about. Panthers, Colts, Texans really do not care. So, hey, we are I'll cheer you all on. I'll cheer all the rookie quarterbacks on. But when you look at the Panthers versus the Houston Texans right now, look at the running back rooms. Let's just start there. So the Houston Texans have Damon Pierce and Devin Singletary. Those are their two backs. The Carolina Panthers have Chuba, Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders. I understand Miles Sanders had a 1,000-yard rushing last year. I understand that. Miles Sanders is not a consistent 1,000-yard running back. He's just not. I I think Miles Sanders is a good running back. I think he's a solid running back. But was it more of a product of what the offense the Eagles were running last year? I would tend to agree with – I would tend to say that. I think Miles Sanders is fine, but 1,200-yard rushing, there's a reason that is a complete outlier when you look at the rest of his numbers throughout his career. His numbers running the ball in regards to his carries is insane. His number of touchdowns is insane from a season before. Just his entire career. So did, Miles Sanders had 11 rushing touchdowns last year. Combined, he had 10. The rest of, and That's including this year with the Panthers. He's had 10 combined t- rushing touchdowns in his career. He had 259 attempts last year with the Eagles alone. Last The year before, he had 137. In his 16-game season, so his rookie year, he had 179 carries. It was the only time he ever played 16 games apart from last year when, they again, they have the 17-game schedule. And he had three rushing touchdowns. So I think Miles Sanders is a fine running back, but would you would you, that's that's the debate here? Is Chuba Hubbard better than Devin Singletary? If you're looking at backups, no, Devin Singletary is better objectively than Chuba Hubbard. I was Bills, I'm a Bills fan. I watched Devin. I don't think Devin Singletary is that great, but he is objectively better than Chuba Hubbard. Damon Pierce versus Miles Sanders, completely different topic. Now today it's a little bit tough to say because uh miles sanders averaged a whopping 1.5 yards a carry at 13 carries 19 yards rushing whereas uh <laughs> the boy damon pierce who we really liked coming out of florida I talked about him quite a bit in that draft process uh had 81 yards on the ground with 24 carries average three point yard one yards a carry this this game now he hasn't had the greatest start to the season per se but you know would you take him or Miles Sanders? That's the question. Would you take Damian Pierce or Miles Sanders? That's the question. I'm not going to say which one I would take. This is for you, the listener. Who'd you take there? Now for the rest of the Panthers, you look at the weapons on the outside. You got Adam Thielen. Let's let's look at ESPN's depth chart for him because I, I want to see who they're listed. Listed third guys, sorry. So you got Adam Thielen, Jonathan Mingo, DJ Chark. And you also got like the Terrace Marshall, Laviska Chennault, Amir Smith-Marset, former Iowa Hawkeye. So you got those guys there. And you look at the Houston Texans. You've got Nico Collins, who went freaking off today. Robert Woods and Tank Dell. You got the old guy there. And you got the young guy that dry, they drafted this year in Tank Dell. Tank Dell, to me, and this is the, you can go look at the com. We had Tank Dell higher than Jonathan Mingo. I shouldn't say that because now I'm doubting it. But I'm pretty like 99.9% sure. Because I like Tank Dell at Houston. I really that's the reason I had Houston finishing last in Big Twelve this year. Because they lost Tank Dell. They lost Clayton Toon. Oh yeah, I had Tank Dell as number seven. I am very I had Jonathan Bingo all the way down to fourteen. So yeah, I'm I'm big on Tank Dell. I'm very big on Tank Dell. So I'm like, I would take the Texans weapons over the Carolina Panthers weapons right now. And you, go, you can go over like tight ends and stuff, like Dalton Schultz versus Hayden Hurst. That, that's a wash. I would take Dalton Schultz if we're going off that, but that's kind of a wash. Neither, neither one of them are that great. So you would take C.J. Stroud. Off the line's different because, I mean, neither one of their off the lines are good, especially C.J. Stroud. All, all of his was out against the Steelers with Cameron – or no, Cameron Hayward's out, but T.J. Watt and all those guys, Highsmith for the Steelers, like – and they still dominated. 30 points, 31 points, whatever the score was in this game. C.J. Stroud's looked really good. He looked really, really, really good. And Tank Dell has looked really good. Not today. Conveniently. Not today. It was Nico Collins' turn to have a really good game. But I don't know. I, that, that whole thing of the best thing that happened to us was beating the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, you could have drafted C.J. Stroud first overall last year, and you wouldn't have drafted him first overall if you had the chance because you would have drafted Bryce Young. Because objectively, Bryce Young was the better prospect than C.J. Stroud. And I liked C.J. Stroud. He was our QB, too. He was our QB two in the draft process. So I have no issue there. My number six, my QB six, Dorian Thompson Robinson got the start today against the Baltimore Ravens. Struggled because it's the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Browns aren't a very good team and don't have Nick Chubb, which is not, you know, ideal in its first ever start in the NFL against the Ravens defense. But hey, you can't win them all. But I really like, I really like Dorian Thompson Robinson. So I'm glad he got a chance to play today. So we got a bunch of rookies starting today because we got, we got freaking A.N. O'Connell Starting for the Las Vegas Raiders today against the L.A. Chargers. Now, they are losing by quite a bit, 24 to 10. But he's got 126 yards passing. No interceptions at this point in the season. Does have two fumbles lost. Three fumbles in total. Does have two. Only two lost, though. But, hey, Josh Jacobs has over negative one, two yards rushing in this game. He has 35, averaging 2.9 yards a carry. Keenan Allen has a touchdown. Quentin Johnson has 18 yards receiving. Yeah, we have a lot of rookies playing today. I love it. I love seeing the rookies play. Like, you had O'Connell starting for the Raiders. You had Dorian Thompson-Robinson starting for the Browns. You got C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson back from concussion protocol. Got better as the game progressed. Still not a, an amazing game, but again, Anthony Richardson's super raw. He's on a not-great Colts team. So, yeah. C.J. Stroud, when you look at back at that draft process for C.J. Stroud, he was more of what you see right now is what you're going to get. That, that's C.J. Stroud. There's not a lot of further development. From CSR. very good quarter. I mean, he's a two time Heisman finalist. You're an athlete, that's a negative thing or something, but two time Heisman finalist. He had the least, he has the, out of Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, just out of those three, he had objectively the lowest ceiling. He could very well be the best, but you look at what Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young could do with the ball in their hands in the running game, that's where you start to look a little bit further. So that's why ultimately Bryce Young went. I know he's smaller by quite a bit, but hey. And I, I've said, if I had the number one I'd pick, I would probably take an Anthony Richardson. At least I think I did. Because of the, the traits you grow into. But you have to have the right coaching system. If you feel like you have the right coaching system in place, with the right players around him, then yeah, take the rawest guy there. If you feel like you can develop him to be a, this absolute monster. Which I like Shane Steichen a lot. So I'm really excited to see what he can do with Anthony Richardson. I love where all these rookies went. Bryce Young's going to have a little rough time this year. Because the O-line's bad. He's got no real weapons. Like I just saw today they're looking to add another wide receiver. So we'll see what they go in that direction, but yeah, I'm mean, I'm excited to see all these rookie quarterbacks play. It's been really fun, and during Thompson-Robinson had a really good preseason, really good preseason. Like Pierre Strong from South Dakota State, he led the Browns in rushing today, but DTR three interceptions, not great. So you know, can't win them all. Can't win them all. Lamar Jackson looked really good again. Didn't need to do a whole lot, I guess, but looked good. Look at Zay Flowers, my number one. I had I had Zay Flowers and Jack Smith and Jigbo one A and one B. I had Zay Flowers at one A though. Zay Flowers had it, he's had a really good rookie season. Jack Spit the Jigba plays tomorrow night against the Giants. So we'll see about that. But rookie quarterbacks are always fun. They're always really fun because you could get like the ultimate peak, and you never know what they're actually going to end up being. You never know. So this could be the peak for everybody, or it could be the lowest part of their careers. And they could be supernova after that. Who knows? But started Anthony Richardson today and it worked out. But for CJ Stroud, is he the favorite to win rookie of the year? Is he the is he the odds on favorite right now? Because what the Houston Texans are doing right now, like they just pissed pound of the Steelers, they piss pound the Jaguars last week. Peter King of the Jaguars going fourteen or three or thirteen and four, and they lost to the Texans. And the Jaguars barely beat the the Falcons today. I mean, barely beat. They beat them pretty handily, twenty three to seven. But didn't play great in the second half at all. We're up seventeen nothing at halftime. I, that was the Toy Story game, which was hilarious to watch. I watched I watched the entire first half of that game. On the Toy Story broadcast, I switched over to the real one. But I li- I like the Toy Story one a little bit more than Nickelodeon one because it's actually different. Like Nickelodeon's one's like, oh, here's a touchdown, here's slime time. But Toy Story was all toys. We're in Andy we're in a completely different area. We're in Andy's room. We got Buzz Zerg. We got Slink. We got all these different toys around. Like that that's was that was fun. I enjoyed that. But it was funny watching the highlights and then seeing them happen in real life. Like going back and watch like Desmonders back to back pick sixes. Like, that, that, or not back-to-back, back-to-back picks out of pick six on one of them. But, yeah, we'll, we'll get to Desmond. I want to talk about Desmond here in a little bit. But, with CJ Stroud, do you put him as number one rookie of the year, or is it Puka Nakua? It's one of those two, at this point. Like, it's hard to argue either one, because Puka Nakua had freaking 163 yards receiving today. 163 yards receiving. He went freaking off today. He's gone off the entire freaking season. That's the problem with the receiving classes, though, because I didn't have him in the top 15, but I really liked him. Him and Jaron Hall at BYU last year were awesome to watch. Very fun to watch. To be honest, though, I didn't think this was possible. I didn't think we would see him got nine receptions for 163 yards in a game, averaging 18.1 yards a reception. And he's done that consistently. Apart from the Bengals game, he has done that relatively consistently up to this point in the year, which is insane. Absolutely insane. And obviously, the production will go down a little bit once Cooper Cup comes back. But for, for, for now, this is beautiful. I'm all for it, and Kyron Williams, who I really liked coming out of Notre Dame, like he's having a great year, like 103 yards, two touchdowns today. I started both of them in one of my fantasy leagues today. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And then that's where we, so, so it's it's between those two at this point, unless I'm completely forgetting about somebody. I, it's between those two, right? Between Puka Nakua and CJ Stroud. I would give the edge to Nakua right now, but you know we'll have to see how that progresses because of the fact that Cooper Cup will come back and that will. Ultimately hurt his numbers because Cooper Cup's one of the best receivers in the NFL when fully healthy. But who knows when he's going to come back? Lord knows. I, I have no idea when he's going to come back. I don't think any other quarterbacks for rookie of the year are up there. I don't think any running backs are at this point. Unless I'm... a uh, I completely forgot about Bijan. And Bijan had 100 yards rushing today. So it's between those three. It's between those three. I, I completely forgot about Bijan. Could be Jameer Gibbs. But if the Lions would use him... Jameer Gibbs, I saw this today. Jameer Gibbs has 39 carries on the year. David Montgomery had 32 on Thursday. That is ridiculous. That's absolutely insane. And I'm starting to... this I, I already I bitched about the Lions enough on Saturday's show. I, I don't want to do that. And I hate the people on Twitter like, man, don't people realize... Don't the Lions coaches realize that nobody has Dave Montgomery starting in fantasy? They have Jameer Gibbs starting playing. play Jameer... That we're not going down that route. I'm just bitching just a bitch. I, I don't really care what the Lions... The Lions are different. They're their own team. So I, it doesn't bother me in regards to... It hurts because I'm losing in fantasy because of it. But, you know, we move. But another team that is pissing me off in regards to fantasy, and it hurts even more because I have both of them in the same league, that's the Atlanta Falcons. We're talking about Desmond Ritter. We're talking about Bijan Robinson. I don't have B. John Robinson. I have Kyle Pitts. You remember the fourth overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft? Remember that guy? The most talented tight end in, in, in college football history? NFL Draft history? Remember that guy? Yeah, you remember him? Yeah, they don't know how to freaking use him. And I don't know what this obsession is with keeping Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter is not good. I, I have made, I have come to that conclusion at this point. He's not, you know how many times I have watched him overthrow Drake London and Kyle Pitch? Remember two top 10 picks? You have three weapons on your offense that are top 10 picks. B. John Robinson was drafted this year. Drake London was the year before. Kyle Pitts was the year before that. You have three top 10 skill position picks on your roster. And you only use one of them. And I understand Arthur Smith's a running first guy. I know he's a run first coach. came from Tennessee. I don't expect him to know how to develop offensive weapons outside of running back. Because he came from Tennessee. They have done an asshat job at developing wide receivers. Their best receiver only started getting really, really good when he went to Philadelphia. He was really good in Tennessee. Don't get me wrong. I liked A.J. Brown a lot in Tennessee. But he got really, really good when he went to Philly. But they can't. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And Des is just not it he's just not it back. The back-to-back picks were bad today and he's consistently doing that this year. And if like you look at the rest of their division, the bucks are there, the saints stink, the Panthers stink. So your only competition is the bucks. This is a year for the Falcons to actually win the division. And this is a quarterback draft class that is deep enough to where you could get somebody later in the first round and be content with that. And you get a really good guy in the process of that. And there's some good quarterbacks available. Very good, and you've obviously got the two top guys that will go top two picks or top five, somewhere in the top five, when Drake May and Caleb Williams. Especially when you look at the top five right now, you got the you got the Bears with the first two picks. This is current right now. You have the Bears at one and two, Vikings three, Broncos four, and Bengals five. So if the Vikings don't go quarterback, the, Vi- the I refuse to believe the Vikings will not get better than what they are right now. I I, I have a really hard time convincing myself that the Vikings are gonna be ass the rest of the year. And maybe getting that first win under the belt, granted it was against the Panthers, do not matter. You had a 99-yard pick six in that game as well. The Broncos stink. The Broncos are bad. So we're looking at probably, if we we're playing the guessing game right now, we're looking at probably Caleb Williams to the Bears and Drake May to the Broncos. That's, that's what we're looking at. So for Atlanta, you're probably going to be picking, let's say hypothetically win the division. You're not going to win a playoff game. So you're going to be at pick 18, somewhere around there, 18, 19, somewhere around there. You could get one of the other top guys in the draft class Shadur Sanders could be picked right there. He really could. I, he could go sooner than that. I, I don't want to make it sound like he's guaranteed to go that far down the draft. He could go sooner than that. I'm just saying that you could get a guy like that later in the draft or even in the second round. There's some good quarterbacks in this class this year. You could wait till the second round and get a guy like, I don't, I don't know. You could go a little bit different directions there. Like if Michael Penix' injury history and in age scare some people, maybe he slips the second round and go somewhere there. Bo Nix, Cameron Ward, like go down that direction. I don't know, go a few different directions there. But Desmere is not it. He's not it. And the more and more I watch college football this year, the more and more I'm like, yeah, there you got to go in a quarterback direction. You got to get a quarterback. You've been consistently drafting offensive weapons these past few years, but you've failed to address the quarterback position. Now we're going to actually have conversations about Taylor Heineke starting for the Atlanta Falcons, which is not fun. They play the Commanders on the 15th, so. If the Falcons lose the Texans, which the way the Texans have been playing the past couple weeks, looks pretty likely when you look at how the Falcons have been playing, when they've been outscored by their opponents 43 to 13, then yeah, we could look at a, a possibility where if they lose the Texans, then we're seeing Taylor Honicke play against the the Washington Commanders. That's what we're looking at right now. But these quarterbacks for college football, they're just ridiculous right now. That USC Colorado game was awesome. And it went. It almost went how we thought it would go. It almost went almost exactly how we thought it would go. USC dominant in the first half. What, did we, what game did we compare it to? You remember what game we compared the Colorado-USC game to last on Saturday? We compared it to the Washington versus Cal game the week before. When you look at the Washington-Cal game, what was the score at halftime in game? You're supposed to tell me because I can't remember because I'm trying to pull it up right now. <laughs> the score at halftime in that game was 35-13. to 13. That was the score at halftime. Or 45-13, sorry. Right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, four, 45-12. I can't do math. I'm sorry. 45-12 at halftime. The score ended up being 59-32. That's what we thought would happen. That was around what we thought would be the case in this game. I think we said the final score would be 56-35. to I think that was the score prediction we had for the USD colorado game. Because neither team wants to play defense. And Colorado this season has proven that they are a much better second-half team than they are in the first half. By a wide margin. We're discounting the Oregon game. That's going to be an anomaly, obviously. But they get better. Like the Nebraska game, they did not play great in the first half. The Colorado State game, they did not play great in the first half. And as the game progressed, they got more into their game, and they started playing really, really well and made it closer and win games. The game against USC, similar thing. And you have a very good quarterback matchup in Caleb, Caleb Williams versus Shadur Sanders. And it's just fun to watch. It's just really fun college football. And I don't want to see like, oh, Colorado's man, this team stake. They, they scored 41 points in USC. And USC, again, we knew this was possible because USC does not know how to play defense. They are against playing defense. Crimes against defense were committed on Saturday, really. <laughs> and somehow both quarterbacks threw interceptions. So it's, it's that, that's what makes it kind of funny. But Caleb Williams, man. I don't know what more he needs to do to secure the Heisman, I, especially with how Michael Penix and Washington didn't play as good or anywhere near as good as what I thought they would play against Arizona on Saturday. Caleb Williams got one hand on the Heisman Trophy already, in my opinion. And we kind of said that before the season started, because there's going be, to need to be some like supernova performances from other players in college football for me to definitively say Caleb Williams is not the best overall player in college football. He's already the best player in the draft. We know that. We know he's going first overall to whoever has it. It looks like the Bears at this point, but Caleb Williams six touchdowns today, four hundred three passing yards. Had a bad interception. Was really late on the throw, but still Caleb Williams, guaranteed first overall pick. And I like Shadur Sanders a lot. I we talked about this on Saturday when we went over like Skip Bayless and I wasn't Michael Irvin's quotes about him about Shadur Sanders. I don't know if I would not say I'd take him over Caleb Wins, but I think Shadur Sanders is a very, very good quarterback. He ran the ball really well in this game as well. Like I thought he looked really good. Given the circumstances, it was a similar situation. Not not as similar, but you look at the Oregon game. They got absolutely blast. They got beat up that entire game. Shadur Sanders did not have a bad game against Colorado. Or against Oregon, sorry. He just didn't. And that's saying something given the fact you lost 42 to 6. And Oregon, again, to their credit, did call off the dogs a lot. When the second half started, like, they just took everybody off. They took the leashes on. They took the choke collars on. They were like, hey, get back. We're done here. We did our job. We're done. But he didn't turn the ball over. He completed decently high percent of his passes. Now, granted, a lot of them are short passes because he needed to get the ball because he was getting sacked right as he snapped the ball. But, hey, this was a great game. Great, 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 great game. And the score at halftime in this one was 34-14. to 14. Similarly, what we were expecting when we first talked about this game on Saturday. Or talked about it on Friday, but post the show on Saturday. You know what I mean. But yeah, Caleb Williams is the number one overall pick. And Omarion and Miller for Colorado, freshman, that dude's going to be a problem. That dude looks really, really good. Xavier Weaver got pretty much shut out of this game. He had 29 yards receiving. He's Colorado's best receiver, minus Travis Hunter. But he only had 29 yards receiving. Omarion Miller, 28 yards a catch. <laughs> now, I do not understand at all Colorado's drive at the end of the game to run the ball but hey whatever i guess but taj Washington, 117 yards receiving. brendan rice colorado transfer jerry rice's kid 81 yards receiving this game as well this is a good overall game fun game extremely fun game to watch caleb Williams, just different he's a different animal and it's funny like when you look at like going towards the draft like the thing that always, i always say this there is no such thing as a what are they what is the um what is the phrase they always use? Unbustable is not the right word, but like a guy that has zero bust potential. Like people talk about like this guy, you can't miss this MF or can't miss. No, he don't miss. No, he is good. Yeah, he, we, we're not doing that there. Any player can bust any player. No one is safe from that. No one is safe. There's no such thing as a bust proof player. There, zero chance. There's a bus because a lot of it can go down to situation. If you're in, a, if Trevor Lawrence was in with Urban Meyer for two years, Trevor Lawrence might be playing for another team or be a backup on the Jaguars. Because if he was that bad under Urban Meyer in the year two, then yeah, we would be talking about a completely different version of Trevor Lawrence. And he hasn't played great this year by any means, but comparatively to the rest of his draft class, he's by far the best one. It's so like with Caleb Williams. I remember like a few years ago, like with Iowa, like Spencer Petras took Zach Wilson's scholarship going to Iowa. Like, the last scholarship Iowa had, they are offered to either Peters or Zach Wilson, the guy we talked about earlier that we kind of blasted earlier. But he was really good at BYU. And Zach Wilson at BYU ended up being become, become the second overall pick, obviously getting dropped by the Jets and all that, yada, yada, yada. Zach Wilson would have not been anywhere like that at Iowa. He wouldn't have been. Like, when you get in this situation that bad, when you look at how bad this offense is at Iowa, having a guy like Zach Wilson who's that creative in college, forget about what you've seen in the NFL, go back to his college days. Having that at Iowa just wouldn't have it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. He would have been bad there. We wouldn't even be talking about Zach Wilson. Maybe the Jets would be free of that. Maybe the Jets draft a complete maybe they go in Zach Wilson or Justin Fields direction. And we're talking about a completely different version of the NFL right now. Maybe that's the case, what happens right now. If Zach Wilson ends up going to Iowa. Because Peters sucked at Iowa. We we all know this. We know this. Peters was very bad at Iowa. And the offense is very, very bad. And the offense is probably only gonna get worse with K Matnera being out for the year. That's not confirmed or anything. I'm, I'm going to go with the allegedly route. But Matt Namara looks done. Cade Matt Namara absolutely looks done. Uh, his knee popped on the one-yard line against Michigan State on Saturday. He looks His season looks done. And that's sad. Because I like Cade Matt Namara, but he's, he looks done. He looks really done. But I don't know. it. it that game last night, Iowa versus Michigan State was not enjoyable by any stretch of the imagination. Like Iowa was winning the game. Iowa won the game. Then you have the made field goal to make it 26 to what 13 20, what was the final score? I'm forgetting uh, 26-19. I'm completely blanking on the final score for whatever reason. Hold up. 26-16. So they win by 6. They win by 10. The line was 10 and a half. So not only did Iowa not cover in this game, Iowa also scored above 25 points a game. I know it only puts them one up on the 25 points a game mark. It's still 25 points a game. And you know how sad it is when like that's a talking point in the national broadcast every single time Iowa plays. Every single time Iowa plays. We hear about, man, did you hear about the contract clause that Brian Ferentz signed where he has to score 25 points a game? You know how laughable that is? You know how insane that is? that That is a thing. Brian Ferentz, was the worst offense coordinator in the country last year. Last year. And yet still kept his job. And then had, he's been the worst offense coordinator in the country for like two years now. We're not, it's just sticking to last year. He was bad the year before that, too. And now we're sitting here a year later, like, you want Iowa to win, but you cannot score over 25 points. You can't. It's like a crying shame for this to happen. Iowa won 26 16. Cooper Eugene scored a punt return touchdown. There was one touchdown on offense in this game. One. How sad is that? We knew Michigan State. Michigan State is a bad football team. We knew this. And Iowa, given where they think they are, should not be this close to me. It should not take a punt return touchdown to beat Michigan State. Because you were losing the game. We were losing the game. It is just a rough, rough game. And that's going to be the rest of the season for Iowa. That's just going to be how it is. And that is insane how this is going to be. Like, Iowa's probably going to go to the Big Ten Championship game. Again, because Illinois is not very good. Purdue is not very good. Wisconsin's got some things to figure out on offense, but they're, they can be good. Nebraska stinks. Rutgers stinks. Northwestern beat Minnesota and almost beat Penn State for a half and then ended up getting blown out of the game. So Iowa probably is going to go back to the Big Ten Championship game and get routed by Michigan, Penn State, or Ohio State. That's the reality in which we live in. And there's going to be some people, and I, again, we talked about this the other day, about how I haven't heard it as much this year, but there's going to be some people like, hey, we got to a big-time championship with this offense. No need to change it now. Like Iowa's offense going into the game was 131-133 in total offense. 131-133. Of that is bad. And Iowa actually, ironically, just dropped down. So they are now the second-worst offense in college football just above Sam Houston State. They, uh, they have amassed 1,204 yards total offenses here. The team they are behind, Eastern Michigan has amassed 1,301 yards. So they are 97 yards behind the next closest team in yards per game, or in total yards. They are 20 yards a game behind Eastern Michigan in total yards, like average per game. Like, this is just, this is brutal. It's like, it, it is laughable at this point. This is insanely laughable. Like, Iowa State, who has a bad offense in their own right, granted, they scored 20 points against Oklahoma on the road. They were keeping up with them for a while. And then Oklahoma just became too much toward the end of the game. But Iowa State's averaging – they're not much higher than Iowa in the rankings for offensive rankings. But Iowa State averages almost 320 yards total offense. They average 317 yards total offense. They almost average 80 yards a game more than Iowa. They have 300-plus more yards of total offense than Iowa does just in total. Christian McCaffrey scored again. What is that, eight touchdowns in the game for Christian McCaffrey? Oh, he's counting them on his fingers. That's one of my favorite celebrations, like the counting them out slowly. That might be my favorite celebration for you, like, one, two, three. And he just hit a little chip shot as well. Like, man, uh, it's just it's just laughable at this point, isn't it? It just is. And there's nothing they can do about it. Like, the receivers can't catch anything. so And that's because they don't get used. I mean, we talked about this again. The receivers, they just found out they had receivers on, like, Thursday. They didn't even know they had receivers. They, yeah, that would be probably a good idea. You know, we have actually really thought about that, using wide receivers. As, as, anything As for anything more than just extra blockers downfield. Now, when the running game works, that's fine. But when the running game is non-existent, then it don't really work the same. And when you have a quarterback at Deacon Hill that has zero touch. <laughs> Deacon Hill, I, I love watching that dude play. Because For those of you who don't know, Ryan Venna was a quarterback for the Iowa Barnstormers. Go look up Ryan Venna. That is what Deacon Hill reminds me of. Deacon Hill's a bigger version of Ryan Vena, where a guy that just does not look like he should be playing quarterback at any level, let alone D1 caught. Deacon Hill has a freaking howitzer for an arm. He could throw the absolute skin off the football. Like, he could zip that ball in there. He don't know what touch is to save his freaking life at all. And to go from McNamara, who has negative arm strength in regards to zip on the ball, to go to from that Deacon Hill, then, yeah, that's a little bit of an adjustment for these wide receivers. The throw power, the zip, the accelerator, everything about the football is completely different from Matt Namara to Deacon Hill. Like, you could not get a more yin and yang quarterback situation than you have right now. But with Matt Namara potentially being out for the rest of the season, you're going to have to get used to it. You're going to have to get 100% used to Deacon Hill zipping that ball in there. And it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. I mean, Iowa went from an insanely strong-armed quarterback last year Petrus to McNamara, and now they're going back to the insanely strong-armed quarterback in Deacon Hill. I almost keep saying Deacon Jones, but he's not the defensive lineman from the LA Rams. <laughs> De- Deacon Hill, big, 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 big guy. He-, he fits the name Deacon. He fits the name. If you have a dude named Deacon, like King Dunlap, if your name's King, you could not be this scrawny little guy. King Dunlap's like 6'8", 350 pounds. Like, that's, if you're named King, that's what you have to be. If you're named Deacon... You had to be at least 260 pounds. That, that is the bare minimum for how big you have how small you can be. It's 260. I would not have expected he was from Santa Barbara, California, though. That that does surprise me. He just striked me as a big old Midwest farmer kid. I Santa Barbara, California was not where I was expecting to see him from. I just clicked on his ESPN profile. That was not that is not where I was expecting it. But he got Eric all involved, tight end. That was the only person he really threw to until he hit Devonte Vines a couple times. Deontay Vines a couple times. One of them hitting him in the freaking chest pretty much in the chest I should say in the arms this offense reeks it is bad it is laughable at this point point. and every time I watch Iowa it's kind of gotten bad now and again as like a fan watching this you're like you want you never want your team to lose you never want to cheer for your team to lose and I'm not actively cheering for Iowa to lose but if Iowa were to lose I want them to get zero points if you're gonna lose lose all the way lose hard as hell like that that's the way to go out Go out, not swing it at all. Just do the old, like, samurai thing, cut your stomach open, and just die. Like, that's what you need to do. No Black Knight from Monty Python where you cut off all your arms and legs and just keep fighting, like, oh, we'll call it a draw. Don't do like that. Don't lose 40 to 41 or something like that. Lose 41 to nothing. That's how you need to lose. And if you're going to win games, lose like win, like, 17 to 3. Win like that. that. That's how Iowa needs to win games the rest of the year. Because not only do you win games... You're also getting close to Brian Ferentz being gone. There is a meter on Twitter going over Brian Ferentz's total number of points to reach this season, average 25 points a game. There is an active meter on Twitter. It is laughable that he is still here. And it's only because his last name is Ferentz. That's the only reason he's still here. This is like John Licklider all over again. John and Todd Licklider. There ain't no reason John Licklider should ever have been playing D1 basketball. There's no reason John Legler should have been playing NAIA basketball, and yet he was playing consistently for Iowa. That's a Brian Farron situation that we've got going on here. It's sad, <laughs> and there's it's not going to change this year. It's not. It's not going to change. We can only hope it changes after the off season. And I never want like as somebody that grew up Iowa, an Iowa fan, like watch when all the Iowa games growing up. Like my parents brought over a Tupperware container, which I don't even. My mom said she was going to bring a lid for another one, which I don't even think she brought. But there's a Tupperware container with all this stuff that I grew up with. I have a bunch of programs from when I was a kid going to Iowa games, and I'm looking through all those programs like, man, these were some fun times. I didn't absolutely dread the thought of watching my favorite team play football. It's it's not a fun feeling, but that's the and the problem is, I can say that I'm gonna get down my ass, I'm gonna sit my ass down, and I'm gonna watch them play next week. I'm gonna bitch about it next week. I'm just gonna keep living. I'm gonna go watch the game. I'll be excited for the game to start, and I'll bitch about it. And then I'll hate myself and I'll bitch about it. And I'll get better. And then I'll watch the game. I'll bitch about it. It's like just a constant cycle. It's like the bears coaching quarterback thing. It's a bad cycle to get in, but I can't get out of it. I'm, I'm too indebted at this point. I've been an Iowa fan for, well, I remember I've been you I went to you and for two and a half years. So was those two and a half years, I've been an Iowa fan for what? Well, no, the two and a half years, I graduated 2020. So it's been three years. So Five and a half years, because remember, I can't have any association for Iowa because I went to UNI for two and a half years. So that would be... So I'm 20... 19 and a half years I've been an Iowa fan. Almost 20 and a half years I've been an Iowa fan, because I'm almost 26. So I I can't leave at this point. I can't leave at this point, but it's rough. It is rough to watch. Like my What did we say my score prediction was for this game, 20 to 6? Was that my score prediction for this game? So... Yeah, I, I don't know. Cooper DeJean's amazing, though. I, I cannot say anything negative about Cooper DeJean. That dude's awesome. That dude is Iowa's best player bar none. Like, it's not even close. I like, I can't think of anybody that's even relatively close to Cooper DeJean in regards to how good they are. Like, Jay Higgins, a very good player, linebacker. Very good player. Uh, Schulte, very good. Castro's very good. I There's a lot of good players in Iowa, but none are even, like, in the same stratosphere as Cooper DeJean for what they can bring. Like, just play him on offense. Watch Colorado and how they use Travis Hunter when he's healthy. Just do that with Cooper DeGene. You can do that. He, I guarantee he would catch every ball Deacon Hill threw to him. And Deacon Hill throws a freaking 95-mile-an-hour fastball every single time he throws a football. I guarantee Cooper DeGene would catch every single one of them, or damn near every single one of them. But, man, I'm going to watch next week. I'm going to watch next week. And it was kind of sad because – so I had – last night, Saturday, so I had Andrew over, Brady was over with his fiance. We were watching the game. I had the Iowa game on the TV. I had the Iowa State game on this, the uh, Jumbotron, the, the projector. I had that game on the projector. And it's just like, wow. We have two of the bottom – I don't remember exactly where I was. I know we talked about Iowa State's offense, but I don't remember exactly right. Iowa's easy because they only have one team below them. So it's like, how do you look at this from that? So, like, bottom, we'll just go bottom – two of the bottom 30 offensive of college football, and we're watching it right now. Iowa State, though – their offense can be good. They can be. Rocco Bett is a good quarterback. He is a solid quarterback. And it's kind of funny, given that he was on the roster. He's an upgrade on frickin' Hunter Deckers. Rocco Bett is better than Hunter Deckers, objectively. Even regardless of the gambling scandal. But Hunter Deckers was not very good. He had moments because Hunter Deckers has got the body. He's got all the tools you want to have in a quarterback. And he just could never put it all together consistently. Rocco Bett looks good. Rocco Beck does look good. He's small, but he looks good. And Iowa State, weirdly, one of the worst rushing offense in college football, actually put forth a decent outing in running the ball. Actually didn't look that bad running the ball. So, this Oklahoma game, no one was really expecting Iowa State to be in this game at all. So, the fact that Iowa State was at 20-24 to 24 after throwing a pick-six the first drive of the game, like, that's pretty damn impressive. And we've seen Iowa State go down to Oklahoma and beat them before. So, it's not like... This is complete. Oh my god! This I know Oklahoma absolutely dominates Iowa State. I just they showed the graphic on Saturday about the the one side of the right. It was like Bills Patriots, but the college version. But Iowa State has beaten Oklahoma before. They have beaten them down in Oklahoma before, but they just absolutely routed them. Oklahoma just Dylan Gabriel played really really good. Had three hundred sixty six yard passing, three touchdowns. Also had two rushing touchdowns. Like he was talking to shit the entire time too. Dylan Gabriel was talking to shit. But Iowa State Jalen Knoll. Good receiver. Jaden Higgins, good receiver. So they've got pieces. Nate Seelhoff is just trying to get over, you know, the fact that he's a first-year offensive coordinator. But that's still can happen. There's not really a lot to write home about this Oklahoma game because no one was expecting it. No one was expecting Iowa State to score 20 points against Oklahoma. At least I wasn't. But Oklahoma, I mean, historically, the past few years has not been a great defensive team. But under Brent Venables, they have improved. But they haven't really played a lot of teams this year, so it's kind of hard to judge. Though they averaged 500 yards of total offense a game. What did they get in this game? They got 523 yards to 12 against Iowa State's defense, too. Iowa State always going to be consistent on defense, especially like TJ Tampa. Purchase, Jeremiah Cooper, all those guys, Frailer. They got really good players defensively, especially TJ Tampa. Dude's a baller, too. I think the two best players in Iowa State are corners Cooper Gene, and TJ Tampa. I don't know. I don't follow State, Iowa State close enough to say anybody else, but TJ Tampa would probably says Iowa State's best overall player. Though Jeremiah Cooper feels like he gets an interception every single game. So, I don't know. It, it was a weird one, but like, it's just hard to watch these two offenses work. Though Iowa State looks like it's improving as the season goes. Like, they look good against Oklahoma State. They did look good against Oklahoma State. So, I expect that to continue improving just because Nate Shiels is the first year OC. So, it's going to be, there's going to be some growing pains there. So, naturally, there'll be some growing pains. But on the topic of good offenses, you and I finally looked like you and I, the you and I that we would have expected to see going into the season. They. Had a very good offensive performance against Youngstown State on Saturday. Great game. Now, apart from ESPN Plus struggling to get the game going the first few minutes of the game, you and I was awesome. Theo Day looked like Theo Day. That version of Theo Day looks like the quarterback that we were talking about preseason where he's the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. That's the Theo Day there. And Ty Edwards, great game. Great, great game from Ty Edwards. You want to know what's even better? No fumbles. Theo Day did throw an interception in the game, but hey, Ty Edwards didn't fumble. Had 124 yards on the ground, 5.9 yards of carry. You had Sam Schnee, 73 yards. Bundon had 79 yards receiving. You had Ellis Leahy, Leahy, sorry, 66 yards receiving. Logan Wolf, 53 yards receiving. Alex Allen, the tight end, had one catch of 32 yards. Ty Edwards had 21 yards receiving. Like Theo Day, 337 yards passing, four touchdowns. And the pick. But that's the game Iowa you and I needs to play. And it's kind of I was talking to my, I think it was my dad. I was talking about Friday. I hate how I've looked at you and I see like, or no, it was Brady. I was talking to Brady on Saturday because we were, we had the U and I game on, and I I'm getting frustrated as we I look back at that preview video because obviously you and I was going to grow into the season with all the new additions on the offensive line or the new people on the offensive line, given that they had four four people leave. There was going to be some growing pains there, especially when you go up against Iowa State and Weber State the first two weeks of the season. It's just natural. Like, Weber State, top 10 program in the FCS. Iowa State is an F top, a Power 5 conference FBS team. There's going to be some growing pains there. But you look at the Idaho State game, and it was against Idaho State, yes, but that's the kind of game you can turn your season around with. And I'm not saying that's the, the exact turning point, but that reminded them that they can win, regardless of against Idaho State or not. You need that game to get your feet back under. You go, okay, we do remember how to win. We can do this, and Gordon gets a good Youngstown State team, very good Youngstown State team, a Youngstown State team that was competitive against Ohio State for most of the game. Like that's what you want, Bryce Oliver for Youngstown State, very good wide receiver. Did did get his in the game, 111 yards receiving, had a great catch towards the end of the game as well. But this is a great game for you and I, great great bounce back game, and they needed to get this going. They scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. That's what you want to see. Grow into the game. They're going to continue getting better. Like, they scored 41 points last week against Youngstown State. They scored 44 against, uh, or no, 41 against Idaho State, sorry. 44 against Youngstown State, a much better team. Like, that's what you want from you and I. And going against Indiana State next week, they should have a similar ish performance there. I know it's on the road, but Indiana State stinks. They're a bad football team. Indiana State, until they played Murray State last week, combined their games this season, they had scored 14 points. In three games, they scored 14 points. They are a bad team against Murray State. They scored 28. So combined this year, they have scored 42 points in every in all four of their games combined. They have scored less points than you and I did last week against Youngstown State. So you and I realistically should have no issues against Indiana State. So you get back above 500. You go into that game against South Dakota State. Now your games after that, Youngstown or South Dakota State, North Dakota, tough games, tough tough games. Especially youngstown or south. Jeez, I keep doing that. South Dakota State on the road, but you and I has had recent successes against South Dakota State on the road. It's been at home that they've struggled against South Dakota State, ironically. And that North Dakota State game on at home. North Dakota State lost on Saturday to South Dakota, which is crazy. That, that I mean, South Dakota has been on the up recently for for FCS. They were consi- like they're not a consistently good team. They're a consistently average team. I like I, I, I was compare them to somebody. They'd be like like Kansas State that's what they kind of remind me of that's that's what I would say they they look like where until like the game where last year where they went to the conference championship game Kansas states considered like seven and five eight and four like somewhere around there six and six like six and six and eight and five it's eight and four that's it's usually South Dakota in recent years but being North Dakota at North Dakota that's pretty impressive you and I doesn't play South Dakota this year but I went on a recruiting trip to South Dakota I think I've told this on the store on the show before. But it was a camp that I got invited to because of the fact I was good at another camp down at, uh, where was it? Where the Chiefs do training camp. I always get the Griffins, whatever school it is. Did well at that camp. Got invited to South Dakota's recruiting trip. And this is the only camp I've ever been to was fully padded. Went through the camp, toured the campus and all that stuff, toured the stadium, which the uh, Dakota Dome is actually pretty cool. It's nothing to look at at the outside. It's just a brick wall. It's less, I it's, it is worse to look at. From the outside than the Unidome is, and the Unidome ain't nothing to look at in its own right. But inside, it's really cool. Inside, it's really really cool. I would say it's cooler inside than the the Unidome because the Unidome's got these yellow, red, and blue seats, which just pisses me off. But I digress. We went to the banquet hall to have our little meal, and they were playing their highlights from the season before. Like South Dakota, South Dakota just moved up from D two. Like right before I went to right before I went to William Penns. Like two years before that. So. 2013, I would imagine, is where they went to where they started going to the FCS. And it was funny, they played their highlight tape. And it went game by game for everything that took place. It was all like Huddle films. So it wasn't like anything hype, like different camera angles, all that. It was just like the back angle for Huddle. And South Dakota South Dakota, their first game, they played Oregon. You know, typical FCS team. Like, go to go get your payday, get blasted, and then do all that stuff. And then the next week though. You know, you want to get your feet back under you. You get blasted by a team. You should get blasted against an Oregon. You go back home. But I was not expecting William Penn to be the team that they were playing. I did not expect that. So it made it even funnier because my dad went to William Penn. So we were watching this. I was like, that's William Penn. Is that the same William Penn? There's no way. that's, That's NAIA school. NAIA William Penn's playing an FCS D1 program. So I had to look it up. Like... And this is a Missouri Valley Football Conference D one program, FCS D one program. This ain't like Grandview playing Drake. Like this ain't like that. This is top level FCS. This is the biggest conference in the FCS. Granted, South Dakota was not a very good team at that time. Like they were winning two games a year because they were just adjusting to being an FCS school. So <laughs> they look. I looked it up. I was like, wow, that's that's actually William Penn. So it was funny going when I went to William Penn. People that were on that team talk about that game, and it was just it's just really funny to hear about. So, congrats to the Yotes on winning that game. And it's it, the Missouri Valley's got some funny names, like the Coyotes. It's not Coyotes. It's not Coyotes. It's the Yotes. Coyotes. The North Dakota State, Bison. It's not the Bison. It's the Bison. So, you had the Bison versus the Yotes, but some people say the Coyotes versus the Bison. And that's wrong. You get, you get punched in the face in North Dakota or South Dakota if you say that. You say that in the wrong area, you get punched in the face. You might get stabbed. I don't know. That's just rumors I've heard. I'm not con- confirming or denying anything, but... Yeah, we had a good week for the big schools in the state of Iowa for the most part. I mean, I I say good week. I I don't want to make it sound like, "Oh, yeah, Iowa State lost this is a good week." No. For Iowa State, the fact that they put 20 points in Oklahoma, that's impressive. Now, they were they weren't losing by 4 points at one point after shipping a pick 6 the first drive of the game. Like that is impressive. For a team whose offense has been not very good, like you scored 3 points against Ohio or 7 points against Ohio. Granted, it could have been more, but we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. When we know what could have, We know what happened there. But scoring 20 against Oklahoma is not an easy task, especially at night in Norman. Like, I would say that's a good week. And Iowa, Iowa's performance was worse than Iowa State's, and they won. <laughs> One offensive touchdown for both combined, both teams, that is crazy. So, Cooper Jean move over to offense. But there were some other fun games. It was like the, We already talked about the Colorado-USC game. Kansas, Texas was fun for a little bit, and then it wasn't because Texas woke up. It was similar to that of the Wyoming game last week. It was fun for a little bit, and then Texas woke up, and then it wasn't fun anymore. Michigan versus Nebraska, not fun. Michigan just routed them from the start. They got an interception first drive of the game, and, yeah, it was just out of hand after that. Uh, Georgia escaped Auburn. Did not really see that one coming. There were 14-point favorites. I thought Georgia would cover that fairly easy, but, you know, win the game, 27-20. Tough game, though. Tough, tough game. Penn State was struggling against Northwest. We talked about that one earlier. Ended up winning 41-13. Ended up being a blowout, but it was tied 10-10 at halftime. And then Penn State just, you know, outscored Northwestern 31 to three at halftime. So in the second half, sorry. So yeah, that kind of makes it easy. Washington. We talked about them 31 to 24, not as not anywhere near what I was expecting from them, especially getting Jalen McMillan back. I guess I didn't even see if Jalen McMillan, did he register a catch in that game? He did not. We had a dunes. They got Jalen Polk, but yeah, getting Jalen McMillan back is going to be big for them. And they play Oregon in two weeks. We're going to have an interesting battle for like ESPN College Game Day and Big Noon Kickoff from Fox. We've got Notre Dame, USC, and Washington, Oregon. So we got some interesting battles there for college football. The Pac-12 is just ridiculous. Oregon. They struggled against Stanford early but ended up winning 42-6. Notre Dame beat Duke 21-14. Bama ended up beating Mississippi State 40-17. Jalen Miller two touchdowns on the ground in that game. Ole Miss versus LSU in a crazy-ass game. Ole Miss won 55-49. South Carolina lost to Tennessee, 41-20. to Spencer Rattler said some BS after the game about Super Bowl and all that stuff. I, I, I don't know. I hate when people go down that route. It's stupid. Kentucky routed Florida, 33-14. Missouri beat Vanderbilt, 38-21. And Fresno State beat Nevada, 27-9. We didn't talk about some of the other games going on in the NFL, though, this past weekend. Or what's going on today, I guess. Uh, we had the Jaguars, the Falcons, 23-7. We had the Bears losing to the Broncos, 31-28. Ravens beat the Browns, 28-3. Bengals, Titans... 27 to 3 there. Rams beat the Colts in overtime, 29 to 23. Bucks beat the Saints 26-9. Eagles beat the Commanders 34-31. Vikings beat the Panthers 21-13 after Kirk Cousins 99-yard pick 6. And the Texans beat the Steelers 30 to 6. Right now, we got the 49ers beating the Cardinals 28-16. We got the Cowboys beating the shit out of the Patriots 31-3. We have got the Chargers beating the Raiders 24-17. They were 24-7 at halftime. The Raiders are starting to make this somewhat of a game. Josh Jacobs has 81 yards receiving and a rushing touchdown. Also has 58 yards on the ground there as well. Yeah. Chargers trying to make this game interesting, I guess. Typical. Not really surprising at this point, but... It's been a fun week. It's been a fun week for sports, but especially with the Bills pounding the shit out of the Dolphins. Now, Trey Trey White potentially tearing his Achilles. That definitely puts a little, you know, asterisks on, asterisk on the game, but... Let's see if there's any updates on that, because I do not need Trey White getting hurt like that again. So it's it's all been three hours ago, but you knew something was bad. He tore his ACL last year. Like, these past few games, he was st- finally starting to look like himself. So it was like, oh, no. Oh, no. So, like, during that, the Bills were dominating them. So it's only been recently where I've been, like, accepting the win. But that, that injury, he was just getting back. He was just getting back in the flow of things. So... Yeah, I, I nothing was popping up on Twitter about Trey White. Let's hope that continue. Let's hope that continue. Let's let's hope we get some positive news out of that because that sucks. That hurt. That actually hurt watching. He threw his helmet. He was he punching the ground. Like he just got fully back confident from tearing his ACL. He played a few games last year. Never really looked like himself. He finally was starting to look like himself. And then he pops. Potentially pops the Achilles. Knock on wood for nothing more than that or nothing more than like a sprained ankle or something. Let's hope to God. That's not the, not the case, but yeah, it's just, it's a crazy, crazy weekend. Then we got the 49ers right now. Again, 20, 20 to 16. The conversation about uh, Brock Purdy, if he's actually good or not is interesting. I find that a very interesting debate. So we're not going to talk about that here because we're already running a little bit long in the tooth on the show today. So we're not going to go there, but was there anything else that I had really pressing on the docket for everybody today? Is there anything else? 14 of Iowa's last 17 drives resulted in three and out of a turnover. That's pretty fun. There's a little fun fact for you. That's always fun. Where, what else do we have anything? I don't want to see a, Oh no. Last thing. Last, last thing. I saw this the other day. Uh, Week three, ML football, which we brought up on the show before, very odd Twitter account. Week three NFL quarterback power rankings. Now, obviously, this is going to change because the games have happened today, and a lot of not not a lot of these guys played well. But I checked the date. This was posted on September thirtieth, September thirtieth, which was for those of you who don't know, yesterday for me, so Saturday. So this was after the Lions Packers game. Week three quarterback power rankings. Now, the reason I say that will be evident here shortly uh number one Tua okay two Patrick Mahomes I don't care what age it is Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL I don't I don't care at this point I'd as much as I hate the good back shoulder throw from Purdy good catch by Brandon Ayuk there as well uh number three or number two sorry Patrick Mahomes I don't know if we said that already number three Jordan Love Jordan Love who posted the lowest QBR of the season against the Detroit Lions this was after the Lions game I I am not a big fan of I don't QBR is not the biggest stat for me. I don't don't really care. I don't think he was worse than Daniel Jones than he was week one because Daniel Jones, he, he posts lower than that. I have a hard time believing that, but number three anyways is ridiculous. P- him putting him top 16 is ridiculous, but we move. Uh, Justin Herbert four, Mac Jones five. So we've got a top five that includes Jordan Love and Mac Jones. That is insane. Kirk Cousins, number six, Brock Purdy seven, CJ Stroud with three eye looking eye emojis at eight, Josh Allen nine, cool. 10 Jared Goff, 11 Jalen Hurts, 12 Lamar Jackson, 13 Derek, Dak Prescott, 14 Matthew Stafford, 15 Geno Smith. So that's, that can't be, there's no way this guy actually believes this or girl. I don't know. There's no way they actually believe that. That is one of the worst lists. It's it's a lit. It's one of the lists of all time. That's one of my favorites. Say like it's one of the, yeah, it's definitely one of the movies of all time. Cause it's not, it's, it's just a list. There ain't no. I do not want to discuss this further. I think, you know, where the ridiculous parts of this list are. No one believes that. Not even the biggest Packers fan believes Jordan Love's a top three quarterback in the NFL, with the only two quarterbacks above him being Tua and Patrick Mahomes. No one thinks that. No one in their right minds thinks that. So, with that being said, I think we're going to end it there. I think, oh, Sleeper fo- Fantasy Football app, they put Travis Kelsey's picture, they changed his picture to Taylor Swift. So, yeah. With that being said, that's where we're going to end the show today. Hope you enjoyed. If you did not, I a silly project. Try be better next time. Hope Trey White has nothing more than a sprained ankle. We probe and pray for that to be better. And hopefully he's back and healthy in at least two weeks' time against the Giants. So we'll wait and see on that. But with that being said, I've been Logan Blackman. I hope you enjoyed. If not, I apologize. Make sure to follow all the different social media accounts we brought before. Make sure to follow the Apple Pocket Spotify account. Leave a rating of five stars and leave a description down below why you feel the way you do. I will see you guys all later. Peace.